0: So it's written
1: in uh, in the Zohar and the Midrash and also in the Talmud that God created many worlds and destroyed them. <speaking in> Bara <Hebrew> olamot That's what it's saying. <speaking in> Bara <Hebrew> olamot Meaning he created universes or worlds and destroyed them. By the way, the word the word world meaning olam olam meaning neelam <in Hebrew> neelam meaning disappear <in Hebrew> meaning to <in> create <Hebrew> something. You have to make sure that something else disappears. Example, when you plant a seed, the seed has to be disappear for the apple tree to be appear. Just think about it for a second. Now, what is that idea of destroy something and then create a better one? Is that mean that God changes his mind? That's the biggest question that Rabbi Yudha asked Ashlag like, ask in the Talmud in the study of Tree of Life by Rabbi Isaac Luria. And the answer goes like that. Well, there is two aspects to the creation. The first aspect of creation, it's called, Bara et ha'olam bemidat adim. He created the world with a judgment attribute. What does the judgment attribute mean? And why God changes mind after that? Did God really change his mind? Is that the way to go? The judgment attribute meaning there is no place for evolution. It's like, I'm giving you all the answer. I'm taking care of everything. It's a judgment, meaning things that come from above, to Below, you cannot add nothing to it. It's like a child sitting and seeing his mother baking, and there's nothing he can do about that baking. He just enjoys that amazing cookie or cakes or great cooking of his mom. That's called midat adin. Midat rachamim, creating the world in midat rachamim, meaning the attribute of mercy, meaning that it's giving a chance to us to be involved in creation, meaning it's coming from below to above. It's when the baby is already grown and when you see the mother is about to bake the cake, he say, mom, can I help? Can I be part of it? Can I go at least buy the eggs or the flour, the sugar? Let me at least mix it. That's called Midat Now the question is, the Tavashlag and all the Kabbalists ask, did really God change his mind or we are talking about two entire existence that coexist in the same time? Is that what we're talking about? And of course the answer is, Everything exists in the same time. The attribute of Middat Adin, the attribute of judgment, attribute, it exists there. But it's not available or accessible for us as human, because if we will enter that level, we will have nothing to add, like a child who can add nothing to the baking of a cake of his mother. The Bidat HaRachamin, the attribute of mercy, is when we're getting a chance through the tikkunim, through the free will, to overcome whatever we need to overcome, whatever it's mitzvot ase, how to do mitzvot ase with excitement, or how to stop ourselves from not doing the wrong thing, mitzvot lot ase, with the with an awe and respect. This is called midat aracharim. It's giving us a chance to be part of creation. So it's not God changing his mind. God creating two existent. One existent is waiting for us when Messiah will come, when the temple will be built, when it will be immortality, And one aspect that we are experiencing right now, that we are in charge, step by step, to evolve, whatever it will take, one lifetime or more than that, until we get to the goal that we're supposed to get. So in the first day of creation, we are talking about Yom Valayla. We're talking about days and night. For me, we understand, my friends, something very deep. Just think about it. I'm not going to go too deep into it. Is light exist everywhere? Meaning, before you turn on the light in your home, is the light there? Because Thomas Edison invented a certain lamp that when you turn it on, the light is there. Meaning the light was there to begin with. You just need an instrument to turn that light on. Think about it as that connect to your first day of creation, because the word creation meaning livro. What are you creating? What are you creating? Dark and light. In the dark time, as it say in the Kriyat Shema, when you do the prayer of Shema, it say b'shochvecha When you're lying down and when you are rising up, when you're standing up, meaning you have all your mom and When you do it in the daytime and nighttime. According to Kabbalists, night and day are not necessarily mean light that we know, like the light that we see, the sun, the candle, or the light that you have in your refrigerator. We are talking about something much greater than that. Light meaning when things are going well for you. Dark mean when things are not going as well for you. So the creation of both choices, as I said before about creating the world in a way of mercy, meaning it's helping us to have evolution, to grow through that. When you go into a rough time, that's called Choshech. That's called Choshech. That's called dark. Meaning this is the time to work on yourself. This is the time to add more mitzvot, and be excited. Light is when things are going really well for you. Everything is just happening. You put a note in the Kotel, in the in the Western Wall in Jerusalem. You said I want to meet my soulmate, You're getting out of there. You meet your soulmate. Everything is working well. What do you do then? Then you need gratitude. Then you need appreciation. Then you need to do to to have more awe and respect. It's called mitzvot lotase. That's truly the simple meaning of creating light and darkness. In day two, we are talking about the Rakia. Rakia in uh, English, as the Zohar, as Tikunazor explained, is the ferment. Now, Rakia is also comfortable with Lirkoa. Lirkoa is what the artist does with the, with the copper. When the artist takes the, the armor and he hits the copper, that's actually Lirkoa. This is Lirkoa. Lirkoa also means when you hit your feet on the ground. This is also called Rakia. The level, I'm going to go a little deep, you can keep it or leave it, Uh, the level between Atsilud, the world of emanation, the world of creation, called Rakia. According to the Kabbalists, the whole concept of Rakia has to do with what we call curtain. Curtain to separate between one side to another. Why do we need a curtain? Think about it for a second. If you want to watch me right now speaking to you on your video, you need a screen. You need a TV, you need to watch it on a big screen. What is the screen does? What is How is it work? The screen will reflect the light that's in the screen, and then it will reflect back to your eyes. For me, we learned that actually the movie itself that you are watching, this motion picture, not movie, motions, picture, meaning many pictures in motions, that things exist coming from the projector. Before it hit the screen, it already exists. But until it hit the screen, you're not going to see it. I mean, you can put your head like we did when we were a kid in front of the projector and you're going to see it on your head. It's not going to be pretty. But if you let it go and you let the projector hit the screen, then the screen hit back to you the revelation. So basically the rakia, the creation of the rakia is the creation of the revolution or the revelation, I should say. The revelation of what's already exists. What does that mean for you and me? Meaning everything is already around you you got it, you got it, you, you, it's working, but you need a certain raqia to reveal what's already work. what does rakia mean for you, your ability to say no to your desire, your ability to say, I'm going to control what I want, I'm going to control what I want to eat, I'm going to control my anger, my temptation, and through that, you reveal what's already there, So we know in the third days, yeah, we are in the third days already? Third day? We know in the third days we are talking about the creation or the revelation, I should say, of water, meaning the separate between the yabasha. Yabasha means land, but yabasha also means yavesh. Yavesh means dry. It's very interesting, right? And God makes sure that it will be a border where the land ends, and it will be a, water, a border where the water begins. So they will not mix with one another. That's why when you go to the beach, people feel romantic or people feel connection. There is a a secret meditation that actually when you stand exactly where the water meets the land, that's actually the, the, the place where God put the blessing. Because that's the border that the water cannot cross the land and the land cannot cross the water. What is God trying to teach us here? It's true that within God, from God's point of view, there is no limitation. But God put limitation in this universe. That's why he gave us the five senses. The five senses help us to create a limitation with the way we experience our universe. That's why we look at the universe as a very beautiful thing. Can you ima- imagine that everything will mix up? Like in the beginning, Do, Vavo. the water will be with the land, the light will be with the dark. You will not be able to recognize one from another. So what is the purpose of that separation between land and water? Beside the practical purpose that we can Go to the ocean, we can build the house, and so on and so on. The idea, it's not a separation. It's basically creation of two entities. There is two entities, the land, Yavasha, and the mind. The idea of Yavasha and the mind, you know, the, the, the water we call Yamim, ocean or sea. Think about it for a second. How we look at life when we are separating between a certain domain, like a public domain, a single domain, or what you call carmelite, it's a separation of energy, a separation of frequency. It's not the same when you walk into the water, and it's not the same when you walk out of the water. When you are on the land, and you're no longer touching the water, those of you experiencing swimming in the ocean, you feel different. You don't even know why you feel different. When you go into the water, there's still land under your feet, but you feel already different. Is that because your feet just got wet or because you're actually moving from one frequency to another? And that's actually the answer because God basically creates that separation. Now you may ask, not separation, I'm sorry, different uh, uh, forces, that each force will be in different place. Now, of course you may ask the question, why sometimes the water take over? storm? Ocean, the ocean take over and flooded the whole city. How can that be? I mean, after all, there is rules. There is rules that you cannot cross that piece of land. Very good question. And the answer for that, because sometimes human, we, we, unfortunately, acting not in the best way, and we're crossing over from where we are to where we shouldn't be. Some people desire things that don't belong to them. Husband of somebody else, wife of somebody else, house of somebody else, money of somebody else, justice. When we are not keeping ourselves in the concept of love the neighbor as thyself, then unfortunately the water can no longer behave in the way they're supposed to behave. They will not hold themselves in the area where God said, don't cross that area. Because if the human allowed themselves to cross, like happened in the time of the flood, and we're going to read about it in Noah, because they couldn't hold it. Everybody did whatever they want, Then the water do whatever they want, because that's a mikveh. The water is like a mikveh. It's purified. So the water comes to purify it, what went wrong. But if we all behave good, no problem. The ocean stay in this place. The river stay in its place. Hashem, I hope it will be that way the whole time. On day four, God created the Mehorot agedolim. That's what it's saying in Hebrew. Me'orot. Me'orot is a similar word that it's written in Kitavo, Parashat Kitavo, me'era. Me'era mem alef meaning curse. How can you say that God created your curse? Well, when you go into the Midrash, you're going into the story about the sun and the moon, it was shte'a me'orot agedolim, meaning the sun and the moon were equal. The moon complained. The moon said, excuse me, God. How can you create two amazing rulers over the sky with one crown? Who's going to take the crown? Yeah. Then immediately God said to the moon, go and make yourself smaller. It doesn't seem right that God is in a bad mood because somebody is questioning his ability or somebody questioned why did he do such a thing. So we, we need to explain it. What does that mean? Go make yourself smaller. So, the idea here, my dear friend, is two forces. The sun represents what we call in Kabbalah the Orda Chasadim. What is Orda Chasadim? Meaning a simple, I will explain it in a simple way so everybody can understand. Orda Chasadim, meaning my ability to basically draw the blessing from above according to what I'm capable to share. The moon represents something called Orda Chokhmah, light of wisdom, meaning I would like to reveal all the capacity of God. Similar to what happened in the first day of creation, but it was two choices, to create the world by Midat Adin, to create the world in a judgment attribute, or to create the world in the mercy attribute. The sun represents the mercy attribute. The moon represents the totality of God's creation, Midat meaning the attribute of judgment. God said to the moon, No. We already talked about it on the first day, that Midat Nadim, the attribute of judgment, is like the mother who the cake, and the child cannot get involved. I don't want that style. So right now, my dear moon, my dear Levana, go make yourself smaller. What does that mean, go make yourself smaller? And again, I cannot go into the tremendous amount of secret in that verse, because it's one of my favorite sections. But in a simple way, go make yourself smaller, meaning it's time for your moon to act like the sun in the Hasadim. You cannot act right now in what we call left column in a judgment way because that will be your time when the Messiah comes. Then those two forces will be together. That will be in Kedush Levana when we do the blessing. So the sun and the moon representing two aspects of creation that the moon will be the aspect that will be after the Messiah will come. Now, together, as the Midrash say, and as I was told here, that astrology, angels were created and in those days now what is astrology i mean you cannot really find a lot of books on astrology besides the first book written by Abraham the book of formation great book exists in English as, as well translated by Rabbi Arya Kaplan i'm not recommend for you to read it you might get bored and then you're not going to like it but it's a it's a nice book it's talk about astronomy astrology and there you will understand that astrology was actually invented by Jewish people or by Hebrew people Abraham was Hebrew not Jewish and the idea of understanding astrology to understand that every sign is corresponding to the holiday that it represents. So for example, you have Libra. It's always on the time of Rosh Hashanah when we scale our negative versus positive. Or you have Virgo. Virgo is always before Rosh Hashanah. Everybody is going to their virgin territory, meaning renew themselves with Teshuvah. And okay, or you get a, a, a Gemini. Uh, you see the sign of human. The human, blame Israel standing on Mount Sinai, receiving the Torah. Aries would be for Passover. That's the lamb that they used to take in the tenth of Nisan. So astrology is, is is it's it's connected to Judaism in an amazing way. But of course, you cannot just read the horoscope on the paper. You got to go deeper than that. Like it's saying in the Talmud, in Masachat Shabbat, that there you should go to astrology twice a year. A good astrologer will know how to read you and guide you to have a spiritual life. We are now on the fifth day of creation, where those of you who like sushi, this is the time that God created all the fish. It's amazing, you know, fish, according to Kabbalah, you know, when you want blessing in your life, you think about fish. But the question is why? Because there is a verse that says, the blessing exists on things which is covered from the eyes of a human being. For that reason, usually, if you want to protect yourself from evil eye, from there there is many traditions. Some people wear a red bendel, meaning a red string, on the left arm. Some people put garlic in their pocket. But everybody agreed that the fish is a symbol, a symbolized blessing, similar blessing. Why? Because it's under the water, and for that reason, Hashem say purvu meaning go and multiply yourself and endlessly have more fish and more fish. Doesn't matter, much abuse is happening in the ocean and nowadays fish are keep multiplying it's there is a blessing because nobody can see nobody can really go to the depth of the ocean to see what it what's going on now what does that mean for us the fish i mean the fish there is no jewish family will not eat fish on shabbat either you fill the fish Moroccan fish rhyming but the different tradition eat fish i mean one tradition Usually don't, is the Syrian, but not all of them. But most of the Jewish tradition is to eat fish. What is fish? I mean, if you think about it, it's called Dag. Dag Dag is seven in Gematria, Dalet Ve Gimel, seven. So it's a Aochel Dag, the one who eat Dag, Beyom Dag, in the day of Dag. What is the day of Dag? Day of the fish. Also seven. What is the seven? Shabbat. Nitzalmi Dag will be saved from also from Dag. It will be saved from fish. Fish? What fish? Aha! it's stands for two words: Din Gehenom, the judgment of hell. That's what it means. That's why it's been tradition. And Jewish family always to have fish. Whatever you eat, larks, or a sable, or I don't know, white fish, or chaimi, or Moroccan um, gefilte fish. Everything's go. Just eat a piece of fish. Hasidish usually eat the fish with their hand. Okay. That's why Hashem said to Adam and Eve, In the beginning, soon we're going to go to sixth day. God is saying to them, "Just eat fish," because in the beginning they didn't eat animal. We're going to go into it in, a, in the details in a, in a second. So the whole idea of creation, the animals and the first animal, is to show you how elevated that animal is, because it was before the cow or the lamb that people like to eat their shawarma or whatever it is. Fish is more elevated meaning the fish is more elephant. Beside that, the Kabbalists explain why the Hasidic, mostly the Hasidic and the Kabbalists always drink lechaim after they have fish. Beside the kosher point of view, if the fish is milchik or fleshik, if it's uh, uh, milk or a category of meat, you know, and the, and the Sephardic, they usually don't mix uh, fish with milk, like cream cheese and large the famous bagel thing. They don't do that. Sephardic don't do that because they, it's it's kind of a mix that is fish, meat, or milk, it's parved but where is it gonna go? More with the meat, more with the fish. I'm not here to teach you halacha, I'm here more to teach you a concept, an idea. And the idea is to understand that the fish itself is a very elevated. The Kamras explained that's why they, the fish doesn't have an eyelid, or at least it doesn't seem to have eyelid. So it, they sleep with their eyes open, like tzaddikim. And the Kamras explained that all righteous people that did perfect job, the last thing, if they didn't finish their job, they've been reincarnated into fish. And that fish go on your Shabbat table. Kosher fish. And when that fish go on your Shabbat table, you are actually elevated that tzaddik to go to a good place. And that righteous soul will help you for the rest of the Shabbat or even for the rest of the week. That's why you do lechaim with each other after you have fish. The importance of fish. Also, think about it. The ocean is a mikveh. It's a natural mikveh. So the fish are always in the mikveh to show you how righteous they are. So... I'm sorry I didn't go with the story of creation fish. I just show you a different aspect of how to look at it. And I hope you will uh, take it and adapt it. We're coming to the sixth day, the day that we all, when we hold the cup of wine, when we say that Friday, the creation of Adam. But before that, many people don't, don't know that. There is Behemoth, beast. God created the beast before. For that reason, King David is telling us, Adam ubehema toshiha Hashem." God, God when King David asks God to say, a human and a beast, please help us. Because sometimes a human can act like a beast. And acting like a beast doesn't mean he act better. He act worse than a human being. Meaning he's going after his temptation, food and sexuality. Also animals going after food and sexuality. If a person can only think about those two aspects of life, then it's not a human yet. It's maybe in the body of a human, but it's behema. It's called behemah. That's called, behema. called a beast. And for that reason, Rabenu Bachya, who wrote the book, uh, Chovat HaLevavot, The Duty of the Art, explained that the nefesh behemit, He called it nefesh behemit, a soul of behemah that is the person. How do you know if you're still a behemah, if you're still a beast? If you're not required more than your physical need, that's called behemah. For that reason, behemah and human were created in the same time. I would like to add also to maybe shock you, maybe not shocking you, that it was more than just Adam and Eve game going on in Bereshit. It was actually another woman there that I cannot go into the details, but you... If you want, you can reach out and I can tell you more about it. It's kind of dark a little bit. Uh, I will tell you also that Adam and Eve were not created one after another. They were created together. I Talmud and the Zohar and the Arizal talk a lot about it. They were created back to back. Back to back. What was the first day of creation? When, when did it take a place? A day that we're familiar with. Very good. Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah, we're celebrating the creation of Adam and Eve together. That's why when we blow the Shofar, it's giving us a chance to separate Adam and Eve from back to back and turn them on Yom Kippur, face to face. And in Sukkot, they are hugging. And in Simcha Torah, they are one together. They are married, they are one together. So the all 22 days of between Rosh Hashanah and Simchat Torah, it's actually repeat the creation of Adam and Eve again. But remember, Adam and Eve were not created separately from one another. So why does it say that Adam uh, when God said, it's not good for Adam to be alone? Well, if you look at the verse before, it's a, he created a male and female otam together. And they were back to back so they can never see each other. That's why they were lonely. But when God put Adam to sleep, it said that he took the rib. Rib, those of you who know Hebrew, tzelah tzadik also stands for side, meaning the side, the back of Adam. That's called the side. Separate that, turn it around. Even you can challenge me biologically about the amount of organs a man and woman have, the ribs and all this and that. And I'm sure you're going to find me wrong biologically. But I'm not teaching based on five senses. I'm teaching based on mostly spirituality or Kabbalah or the religious study of all the mefarshim or for the commentary. But if you find that wrong biologically, please continue to go with biologically if that helps you to connect to God in a better way. I've been told uh, that the part that I say too scary about the other woman, there is another woman that been created at that time. She was a jealous woman. She's the one who killed all babies. Meaning when a woman gives birth to a baby, a baby can never stay alone in the room, especially till the breed. And the reason for that is there is a woman by the name of L-I-L-I-T-E her job, and it's better not to mention her name. Her job is to get rid of all Eve's children. We are Eve's children. Her children called Bne Adam, the children of Adam. Why they call the children of Adam? Because they were not really conceived with a woman. Meaning, her and her daughter, name her daughter's name is N A M A H, is basically the one who caused men to waste sperm, whatever while he's sleeping what we call a wet dream, or while the person is masturbating, when a man is masturbating. Those sperm is not going to the toilet or to the ground. They are creating a demon. The mother of all demons, that's her. She's the mother of all demons. So when a man thinks, hey, it's not a big deal, I didn't do anything wrong. No, you, you did creating a lot, a lot of them. A lot of them, and they are actually around you until you get rid of them. The way you get rid of them is by Kriya Lamita. When you say the Kriya on bed, said say the Shema, and you say, when you say the 60 strong men of King Solomon, you get rid of them. But remember, to fight that woman, which does not exist physically, she can exist physically, she can come in, in, in a body of a woman, but it, it, you will not know that. And tempting the man to do all of the wrong thing, to leave his wife, to go with another woman, she can come in different forms, she can change in forms. That's why I didn't want to mention it, because you might get scared. you got going to in panic. Those of you who are kind of dating say, oh my God, I don't know what's in front of me. So don't panic. It doesn't happen like this. If you purify yourself with the mikveh, with pray, with all kind of amazing things that Judaism has to offer, you don't have to worry about that kind of thing. For example, if you take Shimshon, Samson, Samson's mission was to correct that woman. That's why if you look at the, the woman name there, Delilah. Mm-hmm. If you take the Dalit out, it's the same name, okay? That's, that was her in a different form. She was coming from the nation called Pelishtim, and that's her job. Samson was the reincarnation of Adam, supposed to correct the, the, that aspect, and he didn't. And for that reason, we also, when we opened the ark, what do we read? Very good. We read Berich Shemeh from the Zohar. How many words there is in Berich 130 words. Why 130 words? For the 130 years that Adam spent with her, yes, Adam was with her for 130 years. And those 130 years, we're supposed to correct it. For that reason, Kabbalists will say the verse Eliyahu Anavi zahur lator, after every Shabbat. 130 times, they will repeat it. Just to be able to fight with that aspect of uh, temptation, wrong sexuality, that Tempting men to wasting sperm, and through that she can have her children. That called the demon. Well, we're coming now to the seventh day of creation. What can I say? I mean, first I would like to tell you that the Tikkun HaZohar. When in the Tikkun HaZohar take the word Bereshit, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai himself finding 70 commentary on one word of Bereshit. Everybody asks why. Why did he run away from the Roman? hide in the cave? And for 13 years, he wrote just one word, Bereshit. And he took the word Bereshit and started breaking it down. For example, Atar Yavesh. He took the word Bereshit and said Atar dry place. He said when people study Torah without spirituality, without Kabbalah, they are drawing the Torah out. That's what Rabbi Shimon is teaching us 2,000 years ago. So how does that connect to Shabbat? The Shabbat itself, if you look at Bereshit, is almost like Bara Shabbat. Bereshit. He creates Shabbat. What is Shabbat? Shabbat is sha The daughter of the Shin. The Shin, if you look at the Shin, has three columns. I'm not talking about the Shin of the Tefillin that has four head. Normally, Shin will have three columns. The three columns representing the way that God created the universe with mercy. Remember I told you in the beginning with the cake, the mother? When God created the universe with judgment, there is no three columns. There is only two columns. Give and take. I'm giving you, you take it. That's it. Three columns meaning mercy. So Shabbat has within it the Shin, that has the mercy, and the Bat. What is the Bat? Bat mean daughter. The daughter meaning, what does the daughter mean? What does the code mean? Receiver. Like a female, the female biologically is the receiving force of the universe. So she is receiving the gift that called the three-column system, which is mercy for the whole week. Shabbat is the seed for the week to come, and Shabbat is the fruit that the week that just happened. And that's what's so beautiful about Shabbat. Shabbat is taking you to places that you can never go to, but Shabbat is a gift. You cannot earn Shabbat. That's why you don't have Shabbat on Tuesday. You're going to say, mm, I think I'm going to do Shabbat on Tuesday as well because I want to show God how much I'm interested on in connecting. can't do that. Because Shabbat is something that comes from above to below. Remember, I teach you, above to below, you can't do nothing about it. Below to above, you can do a lot. Then you go against yourself. But in Shabbat, you're supposed to enjoy the food. You're supposed to enjoy it. Those of you who are married, it's the time to make children. Supposed to enjoy a good drink, you're supposed to enjoy good music, you're supposed to enjoy good clothes. Everything is about receiving. How come? Because that's called the bat. Bat represents the vessel of receiving. But the reason that you can receive all of it, because you have the Shin three-column system. For that reason, on Shabbat, you're supposed to be happy, celebrating, inviting people, because it's a gift of God was given to us. For that reason, Shabbat is called matana. It's a gift. You cannot create it on your own. You can create filin on your own. You don't like your tefillin today, you buy a new one. You don't like the candle holder for Shabbat, you can buy a new one. You can end the mitzvah. You can make the mitzvah even more nice. But Shabbat, you cannot add anything. You're supposed to make sure that you are receiving that energy of God through the food, through the love, through the singing, through the baking of challah, through the cleaning of the house. That's the Shabbat. But remember, Shabbat is the seed of the next week. How do we know that? On mincha of Shabbat, we're always going to read the parsha of the next week. In the morning of Shabbat, we read the portion of last week, right? From Sunday till Shabbat, we are basically study the portion of that week. Let's say uh, in a week from now, after the Hagim, we're going to start from Sunday to read Bereshit, Bereshit, Bereshit. On Shabbat, we're gonna read Bereshit. What are you going to read on Mincha? Noah. We're going to read Noach the next week. So for me, we learn it's an apple with a seed within it. Kadeshin, meaning the apple from last week and the seed within an apple for the next week. That's why Shabbat is so important. Some people call me and ask me, what was the purpose of creation? Well, what are we doing here? And when you will look at the purpose of creation, it say that God say, I'm creating this world nivraav, to do good to the one that he created. But not all the time we're experiencing good. So how come? Well, there is the giver, which we call the light of the creator. And we have the receiving that's called the vessel of creation. We are built from both. Your soul is basically the light, the body is the vessel. We have that struggle between ourselves, one day I'm thinking about me, one day I'm thinking about the other, depends which frequency I'm connecting to. But still remain the question, what is the purpose of creation? The purpose of creation is basically to earn everything that I have and everything that I will have. Because by earning something, you become part of creation. By just sitting there and receive everything that God wants to give you, you're not going to enjoy the ride. Because you're going to be exactly like the example I keep using about the baby and his mother baking a cake. Or by a father or buying a puzzle, thousand pieces, and fix it for you. You want to be part of creation. Now, how do you become part of creation? By earning everything. By building a vessel that will not receive just for oneself alone. By building a vessel that will reflect back what we call Or Joser, toward the creation, giving you the light. How does that work? For example, the creator sending you somebody with a lot of money. That person with a lot of money is giving you the tremendous amount of money and you are extremely happy about it. But what do you do? Are you busy just with your receiving aspect or immediately you think how to appreciate it or at least how to share some of that money or all the money? That part is helping you to be part of creation. If the person is just busy with the vessel, meaning just the receiving vessel mean me, 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 and myself, he cannot be happy. But you might receive the one billion dollar, but you will be miserable. But if you are vessel and light together, meaning I'm receiving that one billion dollar, now let me think how I'm sharing it, besides it's just tithing. Oh, I'm happy. How can I share happiness? Or oh, I'm satisfied, how can I share my satisfaction? That turned the vessel into what we call Jose and you become the light now instead of you just
0: becoming the vessel.